this morning, and let me just say that, at least for the parents, we are planning Rejoice, and it's going to start when we enter into July. I think it's July, July first week, something like that. <laughs> no, oh, November. All right, <laughs> November first, we will start rejoice. Not July. I'm 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 sorry. <laughs> so November first, fourth. Okay, fourth. November fourth. The first Sunday in November. How about that? All right, let's pray. <laughs> and so, Lord, we thank you for the privilege to be here this morning to look into your word. I pray that your spirit will guide my words, my thoughts, and the things that are said. That they will bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that the saints will be encouraged and strengthened. And that their faith will be renewed. I pray that those that don't know the Lord, their eyes will be opened today so that they may come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. For those listening online, I pray that the blessings will be extended. And so, Lord, I pray you will meet all of us where we are at and minister to us according to our needs. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, so it's good to see you this morning. Um, I'm speaking about the resurrection, and I'm going to be speaking about it for a while. So today I'm just starting. I started the title by writing, The Resurrection of Jesus Christ. Then I had to modify it because of the age that we are in, and because of the beliefs that people have, I had to add the bodily resurrection. It's not just spiritual resurrection, but bodily. And I want to speak on the topic because I believe it's important for us to rekindle our faith, strengthen our faith, and also to know that it is the foundation and the cornerstone of what we believe. Paul, in writing in 1 Corinthians, says, if Christ is not risen, then our faith is worthless. You are still in your sin." So it's extremely important that we understand it, we know it, and we know it well. And we know it based on what the Bible says, not based on our opinions or ideas. So I'm starting today, and uh, <clears throat> just, it's just in case you don't know, when I do my PowerPoint and stuff like that, I pass it to my wife, and then she goes through it, correct the grammar and all of that, then she looked through my note and said, this is long. 
I don't think you'll be able to finish it. So I went and then I, I put a break somewhere. And looking at that time, I'm sure I might have to lift the break up. It's okay because I'm going to continue the message. So, all right. But I want you to be engaged. You know, so this song, Low in the Grave He Lays. One of the stanzas says, Death cannot keep his prey. Jesus, my Savior, he tore the bars away. Jesus, my Lord. Up from the grave he arose. With a mighty triumph over his foes, he arose a victor from the dark domain. And he lives forever with his sins to reign. He arose, he arose, hallelujah, Christ arose. I know some might be wondering, this is not Easter. So why don't we wait till Easter? And I was told this morning that every Sunday is Easter. So, all right. It's your turn. So that I can start, you know, get relaxed to preach. Can you see what is there? This is the first question that I have in mind for you today. Can you name one person apart from the Lord Jesus Christ that predicted his or her death or resurrection, sorry, his or her resurrection, then resurrected with others witnessing the resurrection? So my initial point on this question was, can you name one person that resurrected? My wife said, a lot of people make lots of claims. So you have to be specific in terms of how you phrase the question. That's why I said, people can predict if they want that they will resurrect, but have they resurrected and do we have witnesses to attest to the claim? <laughs> All right. Yeah, he hasn't even resurrected yet. <laughs> so he's coming. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, Job predicted, but Job, no, the question wasn't uh, meant to be. It was meant to be, we can't name one. But we, that's, the person must fulfill all the conditions that is written there. There is no person in history. And only the Lord Jesus Christ, of all the people that have existed, made that prediction. That in itself should tell you that it's unique. It stands out. But let's move on. This one will be easier. So what were Jesus' activities with his disciples after his resurrection? What did he do with them? You're all Bible students. You have to have answers. What? He ate, he ate food with them. Only those that have bodies eat. Spirits do not eat. What else did he do? He walked. Oh, sorry, I didn't hear that. He walked on the road. What else did he do? He walked through walls. The resurrected body is different from the non-resurrected body. What else? 
He showed them his scars. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. Look at my side. In fact, he even said, it's me. It's not spirit. So touch me. To, just to make sure that you know, they have it. What else did he do? He cooked a meal on the beach and they ate together after his resurrection. I'm sure there's more. He probably taught them lots of things. Opened their eyes and spoke to them. Let's move on. Why did Jesus do those activities? There are no wrong answers. So, so, and I don't have the answers written. Why did he do that? To restore his disciples, to encourage them. To let them know that he's alive. That's true. To let them know that he's alive. Yeah. Can you? To make them apostles? Yeah, to make them apostles. They witness his resurrection. Let's move on. See. How many days did Jesus stay on earth after his resurrection? I was saying this. My wife said, if you are an old Anglican with all those uh, lines, you will know. So let's see what you do. So how many days did he stay on earth after his resurrection? Forty days. Forty days. Now, the reason why we are going through this is because I want to load your mind because we are going to read lots of scriptures. Mostly that's what we are going to do this morning, just reading the Bible. And the Bible will speak. 40 days. And the next question, naturally, is why do you think Jesus stayed that many days? So that many people can see him. So that there will be many convincing or infallible proofs to make sure that he leaves evidence of his resurrection. Yeah, okay. 40 days are significant in the Bible as well. There's a lot of 40 things, 40 days of uh, in fasting and, being, and all of that. Yes. It seems like Things get stamped after 40 days, you know. If you repeat the activity for 40 days, it registers. So, all right. What else? Let's move on because the preacher has to preach. Name unlikely persons or person that was with the apostles when they waited for the Holy Spirit. Who? <laughs> this is true. <laughs> women were there. Yes. Women were there. This is true. Any other person? I, I hope I have all the scriptures that capture most of these. So let's read together. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I have one more question. I don't know. Too many questions. But that's okay, we don't close at 12, we close at 12.30. So it at least allows me to be a little bit relaxed. 
I don't have to rush it. What did the apostles witness to? Or what is the theme of the book of Acts? What's that? It's ascension. So what did they witness to? In Acts chapter 1, the theme is written. What they were going to witness to. What's that? The coming of the Spirit. The resurrection. The resurrection is what they witnessed to. When Peter was, um, let's read. I think it's better we read the scripture so that you, you see these things right. So what I've done, if, please don't be offended if I've picked verses and then excluded some. Some people get offended that verses are even on the wall. Please don't be. It's not intended to make, you know, disrespect the scriptures. It's intended to make it clear, to make it fast, to impact knowledge. That's what it is, okay? So, in Acts chapter 1, we are going to read Acts 1. I'm working with the New American Standard Bible. That's what I'm working with. And uh, I highlighted some things. They are not highlighted in the Bible. I highlighted them just so that it, it makes it easier for me to emphasize my point. Okay? Acts 1. The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven. After he had given orders by the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these, he also presented himself alive. Notice, he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of things regarding the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said you heard of from me. So that's verses 1 to 4. So in verse 13, we read this, you know, so they, they witnessed him ascend, and then they went into a house, and they were staying together. And this is what we read. When they entered the city, they went up to the upstairs room, where they were staying, that is Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. All of these were continually devoting themselves with one mind to prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. It's important to know that the brothers did not believe in him before the resurrection. In fact, in the book of John, they mocked him on one occasion. They said, why are you hiding in Galilee? If you want to be known, you should go for the feast and so that everybody can see you. And then the commentary that said, for even his brothers did not believe in him. But after the resurrection, after the resurrection, when they saw him, they were there. And one of them even became an apostle and died a martyrdom death. James. So, now, 
I'm skipping so many verses in between because so they gathered and they were continuously praying, devoting themselves to prayer. And then Peter stood up and said, we have to have somebody replace Judas. Right? And so this is what Peter said. Therefore, it is necessary that of the men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning with the baptism of John until the day that he was taken up from us, one of these men must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So if you study the book of Acts, you realize that the very first sermon that they gave was on the resurrection. And it was given with boldness. I mean, the spirit came on them and then, you know, they were witnesses, but they were witnessing the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, these are the things I intend to deal with in the coming, whenever I'm brought back here by Pastor David. <laughs> right? Historical facts of the resurrection. We need to, you know, read these things from the Bible. What happened? Historical evidence for the, the resurrection. How do we know that the resurrection happened? How can we be certain that it is foolish for the housing not to have Easter Monday, but have Monroe's Day? Because they believe resurrection doesn't happen, didn't happen. So they have Monroe's Day, right? On Easter Monday at Dallas, Monroe's Day, because there's no resurrection, it's just fiction. How can we be certain? So we'll deal with that as well. And um, prophetic facts. So what does the scripture have to say with regard to the resurrection? So they mentioned or the discussion of the resurrection in the Old Testament. When Peter stepped out to preach that day, on the day of Pentecost, his message was to attest to what had been written in the Old Testament regarding the resurrection. So if I was to ask you, can you preach to me about the resurrection from the Old Testament? Will you be able to do that? And what else? The practical facts, what the resurrection means, the implication. So these are the things I just said. Uh, let me just give you my broad ideas. They might be rejigged, right? But this is it. There might be more. So, but today, thinking about it, I want to establish the importance, at least begin the journey by getting you excited as I've been. I've been very excited just listening to the scriptures and just thinking about it, just re recognizing that I have a living savior. So, so let's think about the importance of Jesus' resurrection. The first point is that that was Jesus' greatest miracle when he was on earth. That's important. So, it also does something else. It proves the truthfulness of the Bible and the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. The greatest evidence, in my opinion, for the reliability of the Bible 
is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What else does it do? It proves the effectiveness of Christ's work on the cross. The resurrection is the Father's amen to the sons it is finished. If Jesus died and never rose, his death will be like the death of every other person. In fact, even worse, because it will be death on the cross. And in the scriptures, it is a curse to be hung on the cross. So if he died and never rose, then his death will be meaningless for the most part. It will just be he died, and so they all died. They died, they died. It will just be one of the death. What else? It proves the person of Christ. We'll talk about that a little bit more. And I believe it's also the first step in the series of Christ's exaltations. He comes from the grave and then he begins to be exalted. So it's almost like it's without this, all those other exaltations cannot happen. It's like the gateway to Christ's exaltation. It's, it's what gives us hope that he's coming back to reign as king. What gives us hope that what he said he would do, he would do. See, the witness of the church is bound with Jesus' resurrection. You notice that you know, the first um, few points are bold. These ones here, the last ones, the believer's living hope is tied to Jesus' resurrection. Those ones are not bold. Because my wife saw the point, she said, are you going to be able to speak to all of this? Everything was bold until she spoke. And then I emboldened the last. That means I'm not going to say anything on this. It's not going to happen. I'm not even sure I'm going to be able to say anything on all of this. So let's start. When Jesus was on earth, he performed many miracles. We know that he raised somebody that just died in the name of Jairus' daughter. We also know that he raised somebody that died and was being carried to be buried in the name of the son of the woman of Nain. And we also know that he raised somebody that died and was buried in the name of Lazarus. But all of those people ended up dying again and buried. None of them is alive today. The greatest miracle that Jesus performed while he was on earth is his own resurrection. He lives by the power of an endless life. And I want you to know, the interesting thing about his resurrection is that he not only died and was buried and came back to life, but he raised himself while he was dead. How do you do that? In my mind, only God can do that. So the Lord Jesus lives by the power of an endless life, never to die again. And the resurrection puts him in a class or category of his own. So 
He proves that he's God and what he says he will do. So let's move on. The truthfulness of scripture and Jesus' words. Imagine that Jesus did not rise from the death. Just imagine. Let's see. Before he died, he informed the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Jews about his resurrection. In Matthew chapter 12, we'll read some of these scriptures shortly. He said, they came to him and asked for a sign. He said, well, an evil and an, evil and adulterous generation asked for a sign, but no sign shall be given to them except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Now, as I was reading, I didn't know that they asked for a sign again. In Matthew chapter 16, and he repeated that it is the sign of Jonah that will be given to them. And in John chapter 2, they say, what sign do you show us so that we may believe that you are the one? And he said, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up. And of course, in John chapter 14, he spoke about the parable of the good shepherd that lays down his life, that no one takes it away from him, is able to lay it down by himself and bring it up. Not only did he inform the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Jews, he informed his disciples at least five times. At least five times before he died. In Matthew 16, after he asked them who they thought, who do men say that I am? And then they said, uh, you are the, Peter said, you are the Christ. The Lord Jesus said, beginning from that moment, he said, he told them how he's going to suffer and to die and be raised again. And of course, Peter didn't hear that last one, be raised again. He heard die and suffer, and then he took him aside, so they rebuking him. So we read some of these passages. And in Matthew 17, when he came down from the Mount of Transfiguration, after he had been transfigured, he told them, don't tell anybody about what you witnessed until after I am risen from the dead. And so they were wondering among themselves, what does rising from the dead mean? It doesn't happen. It's never happened. What does this mean? And in Matthew 16, uh, 17, there, while he was in Galilee, he spoke about his resurrection again. And in Matthew 20, on the way to Jerusalem, he spoke about it. And after the Passover meal, he said, tonight, the scripture is going to be fulfilled that says, Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am risen, I will go before you to Galilee. At least nine times, he made the claim concerning his resurrection, prior to his resurrection. And just imagine that he didn't rise. In fact, I don't believe any one of them expected him to rise. They probably didn't understand what he was saying. So let's read. Just let's read a few of these so that you see what I mean. Matthew 12, then some of the scribes and Pharisees said to him, teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, an evil and adulterous generation craves a sign. 
And so no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah the prophet. For just as Jonah was in the stomach of the sea monster for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. So what happened to Jonah after three days and three nights? He was back. And then in Matthew 16, you note here, the first time it was the scribes and the Pharisees. Now it's the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They came up and put in Jesus to test. They asked him to show them a sign from heaven. We want signs. All this opening of eyes of the blind, all this making of the paralyzed people to walk, all of these things you've done, all of this uh, multiplying of food, we don't recognize it. We want extra signs. And so Jesus answered by reply to them, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red, and in the morning there will be a storm today, for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to discern the appearance of the sky, but you are unable to discern the signs of the time. An evil and adulterous generation wants a sign, and so no sign, and so a sign will not be given to it except the sign of Jonah. Spoke to them, and then we move on. In John 2, the Jews then said to him, what sign do you show us as your authority for doing these things? He was kind of cleaning, up the, cleaning out the temple because they were buying and selling. So it's, show us signs. Jesus answered them, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up. The Jews then said, What? They looked around. It took 46 years to build this temple. And so, and yet you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking about the temple of his body. And notice this. So when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he said this. And they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had spoken. The resurrection should make you, if nothing else, to believe the scripture and to believe the word of God. That's what it should do. It should make you pick up the Bible and say, this is the word of God. When God says it, he will do it. I have to take it to heart. So, and then in John 10, Jesus says, for this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it back. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it back. This commandment I receive from my Father. Let's read. In Matthew 16, from that time, Jesus began to point out to his disciples that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and to suffer many things from the elders, the chief priests, and scribes, and be killed, and to be raised up on the third day. I like, and, then, and yet Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But he turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's purposes, but men. I'd like to suggest to you that what they heard, the disciples, was the Son of Man suffered to be killed by elders, chief priests, 
and scribes and be killed. They didn't hear that last one. Because it doesn't happen. It's not a normal event. It's not something that people witness every day. To be raised from the dead. And it's not a prediction that people make about themselves. So they didn't hear it. And that's why Peter took him aside and rebuked him. In Matthew 26, after they had, you know, had the, the breaking of bread, <laughs> communion, the Passover, then Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Of course, Peter stepped in. But Peter replied to him, even if they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Very confident of himself. So, let's recap. We have seen at least nine instances. I'm sure there's more. This is just my own. Where Jesus mentioned about his resurrection before he died. Let's assume for a moment that it never happened. He never resurrected. And then the scripture is, you know, written. With those points being made, he's promising to rise. I don't think it will be the same scripture. If he is written and he's making all those promises and he died and he's buried and never came back, it will be a worthless book. It will be of no value. So he said it, he spoke about it, he wanted to ingrain it in their minds so that when it happened, they know. All right, let's move. Oh, I'm too fast. Proof of the effectiveness of Christ's work. The Lord Jesus had a past ministry. He also has a present ministry. And there's also future ministry. Without the resurrection, none of those ministries will be effective. I probably will say more about that in coming days. The past ministry was his death on the cross. His present ministry includes him interceding for us, preparing a place for us. His future ministry involves him coming to take us home and reigning as king. All of these ministries depend on the resurrection. Let's look at this one. At least let's look at this. For I handed down to you, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And what I want you to note is, you know, uh, my understanding from studying is that this is probably the oldest part of the Bible because it was a creed, something like the, that they used to repeat. It's, it's like the most important thing you must remember, this, this word here. You know, for I handed down to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to, to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and he appeared to Cephas, Cephas 
then to the 12. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James. That would be his brother. Then he appeared to James. Then to all the apostles. And last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me. But in 1 Corinthians 15, sorry, I think that reference there is, uh, is wrong. It should be from verse 3 to 8. Okay? We read this one. Paul writes about the resurrection. But he puts these words here. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And if we have hope in Christ only in this life, we are of all men most to be pitied. Christ died for our sins. If Christ has not been raised, you are still in your sins. It was important for him to rise so that we know that the Father has approved his sacrifice on the cross. All right. Like I said, it's the first step in a series of exaltations. I really don't have time to talk about them other than the fact that next was the ascension. He ascended to heaven. Next, he was seated in heaven at God's right hand and Father's throne. Following that, he's coming back to earth in power and glory. Following that, he's going to occupy the throne of David and ruler at the millennial kingdom. Following that, he's going to be exalted as judge at the great white throne judgment. And following that, he's going to be exalted as king to reign in new heaven and new earth. All of these events, the first two that have happened and these ones that are yet to happen are dependent on the resurrection. The first step in the series of exaltation. That's why his suffering ended what awaits us and what awaits him is glory. It's only glory. And because we are in him, that's all that awaits us. So the future is bright when you know the Lord. Because you are one of his. And um, what else is here? All right. So this is the, I have the other point, but my, this, uh, this, I had to bring this sermon up. On the day of Pentecost, Peter preached. After the Holy Ghost came upon him. And this is what he preached. This is what he preached. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles. And wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst. So why did Jesus perform miracles? It was more like God was showing you, trying to tell you. This is my son. This is unique person. It, the miracles themselves were bearing witness about him. Just as you yourself know, this man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men 
and put him to death. But God raised him from the dead, putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in his power. And then Peter quotes the Old Testament. For David says of him, David was speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. For David says of him, I saw the Lord continually before me because he's at my right hand so that I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue was overjoyed. Moreover, my flesh also will leave him hope for you will not abandon my soul in Hades. Nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, he says, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David, the one who wrote this, that he, is both, that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. So because he was a prophet, as a prediction being made, and knew that God has sworn to him with an oath to sit one of his descendants on his throne, he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of Christ, that he was neither abandoned to Hades nor did his flesh suffer decay. It is this Jesus whom God raised up, a fact to which we are all witnesses. Therefore, since he has been exalted at the right hand of God and has received the promise of the Holy Spirit from the Father, he has poured out this which you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let the all the house of Israel know for certain. This is something you should know, that God has made him both Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified. He was preaching with so much boldness, so much confidence, that by the time he was done, 3,000 people streamed in. He said, what shall we do? He said, repent. And the message was, Jesus is resurrected. God has exalted him. He is both Lord and Christ. Friends, the Lord Jesus' resurrection, like I said, is the greatest miracle. Because he sets the stage for every one of his future reign and rule. The Holy Spirit came because he was resurrected. And we are going to reign with him because he lives forever. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, every believer should know it well and be able to talk about it with confidence because it gives us solid ground to stand that regardless of what happens today, the future is good because we have a living Savior. Regardless of what my situation or circumstances, I am on solid ground because my Savior lives. So I'm hoping and trusting that in the days ahead, we will... At least look through it, just read the Bible. That's mostly what I intend to do. Let's just read the Bible and see the many infallible proofs and all of those and all the objections that people have outside. We are going to tackle them and look at them and see whether they hold up. I don't believe they do because the Bible answers every one of them. Let's pray. So Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you because we serve
a living Savior. Help us to live with this confidence that our Savior lives, he reigns, he's coming for us, and he cares for us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Um,